Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, November 29th, last Monday in November. Sure, you're all uh, struggling to get in the groove a little bit on this Monday after a holiday. And of course, we are staring down the end of, of the year, always a frantic time of year. Want to help uh, bring some information, some great content to you as you're bouncing around doing all your errands, trying to keep up on everything during this crazy time of year. And we're going to kick things off this week with a terrific interview we know you're going to like. Hopefully by now you've had a chance to see the show Reservation Dogs. It was on FX and streaming on uh, Hulu, I believe. And um, it's been very well received, uh, one of these rare shows that uh, it's brought to you by Sterling Harjo and Taika Watiti from uh, Marvel and Star Wars and a bunch of other things. And it focuses on a group of teenagers in a fictional Oklahoma town, a reservation town, uh, but very universal themes here for Native communities. But it also does such a great job of walking the fine line between serving those Native communities, not talking down to them, uh, and not perpetuating stereotypes, but it also appeals to a wide audience. A great example of this in my mind, there's an episode where uh, a group of the young people come upon a porch with an owl hanging over the overhang and the eyes have been blacked out because again of course for many Native American communities uh, the owls uh, can be a sign of death and so nothing is mentioned about that um, but those who know adds another layer to this and those different layers and that breaking through stereotypes also carries over into the music for the show. And our correspondent, Laura Paskus, recently caught up with Mato Wayuhi. He is the composer uh, for Reservation Dogs. And so this is just a great conversation about how he walks that fine line. Great story in here about how they had a rule that they were not going to use any Native American flute, uh, which is often a trope or a cliché. Uh, in Native American content uh, until they wanted to turn that on its head and make uh, a bit of a joke about it. So here now a terrific interview with Mato Wayuhi, the composer for Reservation Dogs. Mato, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you on New Mexico in Focus. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you were the score composer for Reservation Dogs, a wildly successful show that just wrapped up its first season. Can you explain to us what does a score composer do? Um, and specifically, what were you setting out to do with this particular show? So the score composer basically creates all of the original music for the series. So when you watch the show, there's a lot of songs that are that we license. So it'll be like a Link Ray song or the Stooges or what have you. And so obviously I have nothing to do with that, but I have all, all of the other music that you hear that's original or that you don't recognize or that sounds new is, yeah, that's me. So it's kind of, you know, it creates the ambiance for some scenes, whether it be a scary scene or a funny scene, that's kind of what I'm doing is creating the sounds around that. And so, and I think a lot of what the intention of it, Sterling and I, the showrunner, we had a lot of conversations before things actually geared up. And it was what about my music personally, my music, um, what can I bring to the table and how does it resonate with a lot of the thematic qualities of 
reservation dogs. And fortunately, I mean, there were a lot of similarities and there was a lot of alignments with what I'm trying to do with my own music and then what the show has done and accomplished. And so it was a really good um, partnership and a good collaboration. And so that was kind of the intention with it too. It was kind of to subvert what people expect of native and indigenous representation. And so as a native artist, that's something that I really strive towards as well is to kind of subvert that and to kind of create new meaning in our own definitions of it. And so I think the show has done such a great job of doing that as well. So yeah, that was kind of the intention with the music. It's awesome. So I love the show so much. Um, and my favorite episode is episode five, the story of Dear Lady and kind of Officer Big's origin story. And that Redbone song, Come and Get Your Love, is, is such a huge part of like the whole episode. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you did within that show and how the music really like defined the whole story of that particular episode. Yeah, that was a Yeah, that was a fun episode <laughs> to do. There's um I was tasked with a couple different um assignments for that one. There was kind of the one, you know, there was the low kind of brooding score of when dear ladies around and so that was really fun to do because that's something i mean that's like very classical composition for a lot of you know western film is that type of droning stuff and so that was fun to dip my toes into and yeah it was a good time and then also but on the flip side there was really funny moments with the you know yeah with officer biggs and um cheese and they're going through the car and you hear that really just 80s like synthetic Miami Vice type of vibe and so that was me too and that was really fun to do as well because it was the the juxtaposition between the two and I think that's the the most fun part about working on the show one of them is that the variation in musicality is really it's fun it's always a challenge for me it's always nice to try different stuff but yeah that was um those were I think some of the two prominent um score pieces that I did for that yeah, it was like the Dear Lady and then the Tribal Cop Chase, which is, yeah. So I listen to that sometimes just when I need like a little pick-me-up. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, really just an extraordinary episode. One of the other things that makes Reservation Dogs so unique is at the same time that you're, you're, you're honoring and raising indigenous culture, it also has such a wide appeal to so many audiences. Um, we were talking here the other day about the episode with, with the owl and how the, the owl is, is kind of blanked out. I was wondering, how do you go about balancing that same fine line with the music and the score? In terms of um, kind of creating like a, a lane for some traditional aspects, is that what you wonder? Uh, I think, so that was the conversation that Stone and I had and, you know, we, um, I think the tropes of Hollywood involving Native and Indigenous people are so ubiquitous in a lot of different ways. And so our whole task was to make sure that we didn't fall victim to any of those. And so with that, I mean, we there were a couple different elements of incorporating that. But, you know, there was like, no, we had a rule, like no Native flute until we used a native flute, but it was for, more for the irony than it was for the actual sentiment. Um, but there was a moment in the last episode, the season finale of, so there's a tornado and there's this like break dance beat that I made. And so I remember we were in a sound spot meeting, which is basically deciding what music is going to be in the episode and what I need to make. 
And so Sterling, I, he said, Mati, you should make like make a dance beat or something. I was like, okay. And then he's like, also, I'm going to send you um, a Muscogee Cree like war cry, like a war chant. And so I said, okay, so if you listen to the song and the score is available on all the streaming platforms, you'll hear um, during one of the, the breaks in the song, there's like this war cry. And then I, I edited it to where it's on rhythm and it goes to the song. And so there's little things like that as well that you're kind of like sampling the culture and re-implementing it and re-emphasizing. And that's very hip hop in the essence of, you know, rap music and production. And so, and the show is very hip hop in a lot of ways. And so it was nice to implement that as well as, yeah, incorporating some traditional aspects. Yeah. So the show features all kinds of great music, um, including like Yasin Bey, Narsi, Blackbird, The Hallucination, just so much great music through every episode and also your own music. Can you talk a little bit about your own work and your creative process? Yeah, so I started making music uh, when I was 15, 16 years old. I'm just just 24, like a couple, as in a, in the last couple of days, I turned 24. And so, um, yeah, so I've been doing it for oh, quite a while. And I don't know, I think I just, um, I had no intention of doing scoring or anything. I just, I had always produced my own music and my music is very, you know, it's very hip hop, very poppy, a little bit of jazz and stuff. And so I'd always made my own music and with no intention. And then I think, um, yeah, with scoring, it kind of uh, answered a lot of questions for me as to why I might have done that because I was working kind of in the dark. I didn't know why I was making all my own music and producing it. And now with scoring, it's a very hands-on um, job. And so it feels like I'm ready for it and I'm grateful that I just kept going with it. But yeah, I mean, I, I do, I sing, I rap, I, yeah make the beats and everything like that so it's i take a lot of um pride and it's so fun to me like it's yeah it's like the best time and so with the with the scoring specifically with reservation dogs you know they're they're i'm asked to do a lot but in the best way you know it's like sometimes i'll need to sing sometimes i'll need to rap sometimes i'll need to make a scary yeah like sci-fi song or composition and stuff and so i feel equipped just from what i've done previously um and yeah so that's kind of like what i've been doing recently is just yeah making my own music and then also scoring and stuff on your website you write about building a world where native american and indigenous artists can fearlessly express themselves how close do you think we are to that world are we there right now or is it coming it's a great question i think it's it's a it's kind of an everlasting journey for a lot of native and indigenous kids to, you know, decolonize their expectations of themselves and their definitions of our communities and of art and expression and fearlessness and all these different components to what it is to, for you to kind of find yourself. And so I think I've just noticed in my, in my work with indigenous youth and, you know, throughout my lifetime and my recent past couple of years is I just noticed that a lot of um, a, a great space to kind of heal from these different historical traumas and generational traumas is is just expression and creative freedom and creative license. And so I think it's that's an ongoing thing. And I, you know, I don't expect to see any like, I don't know, I guess like qual, you know, quantifiable change in my lifetime or anything. But yeah, if I can inspire some kids to just think that they can do it too and think, well, why am I, why am I not doing this, you know? And so 
because you know i wish i had that growing up but i didn't have someone who does what i do and so i want to be that for the next generation and so that's kind of the sentiment behind that and yeah i think we are getting there i think we're um nearing towards it i think a lot of it comes with yeah these different aspects of representation and also just agency and things so it's very exciting to see you know and it's funny people call it like the the renaissance but i think we've we've known how powerful our art is for thousands of years you know and so it's nice to see other people see it and also relate to it as well because yeah yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, that's, oh, sorry. I'm curious oh, no, go ahead. how you think audiences can help build that world. Like, what do we need to be doing? That's a great question. I guess, you know, with a lot of <clears throat> the representation in the art comes this aspect of, you know, humanizing our experience, because I think that's one of the most debilitating qualities that um, colonization has had and all these different things is like it's it's taking away the human aspects of who we are and you see that a lot you know with with um, mascots still and the whole Halloween costumes and that viral video of that woman doing that that chance and that dance and things it's like it's a very these very dehumanizing elements so I think understanding our human experience and honoring it and and yeah having relatability because what we go through what a lot of native and indigenous populations go through it it you know it, it's somewhat similar to what a lot of different marginalized communities go through it's just you know it, it looks different and it's concentrated differently but it is the same it's, it's still those same human components and so yeah i think just being empathetic and yeah understanding that there's no monolithic idea of what a native person is or what an indigenous person is and yeah things like that you know and so what are you working on right now or what's next for you? Those NDAs, I can't, I can't right now. <laughs> um, I'm just, uh, I'm just hanging out right now, working on some new music, um, a couple different projects, a couple different TV projects and whatnot. Um, yeah, it was nice. I, I, I spent the whole, you know, first half of the year working a couple different jobs and so it was kind of high stress and so now I'm kind of debriefing and decompressing and um I got to join the writers room for season two um which was really fun and it's fun to see what everybody's up to and the ideas that they're having um yeah so that's been great and then just visiting family stuff like that kind of taking it easy but yeah always kind of the, my mind doesn't ever stop working on music so I'm always thinking about it always writing stuff and I think also I want to keep sharpening my tools for next season to make sure because you know the show is going to be bigger and better as they always are and so I want to be bigger and better with my own music to you know complement it and so yeah it's been fun though it's been it's been a good life so good well I can't wait for season two I love this show so much and really the music is such a big part of what makes each episode so interesting and unique and just really great. So happy birthday. It was really great to talk with you and thanks for joining me on New Mexico in Focus. Yeah, thanks, Laura. I appreciate it. The fall is a time when uh, it's a little tougher to get outdoors, but it's also one of the greatest times to get outdoors in New Mexico. All the beautiful fall colors uh, and just a different bunch of wildlife as we see migratory birds come through, especially the sandhill cranes. And we wanted to take a look back at an Emmy-nominated piece from the last year celebrating 
everything about the bosque in the autumn and winter. And this is part of our Arland series, you know very well by now, with correspondent Laura Paskis. Uh, and uh, this is a visual feast for the eyes as well, so I encourage you when you get a chance, go to the website and give this a watch there for the full experience. But still, there's nothing like the call of a sandhill crane. You're going to hear that in here, the coyotes singing into the night. So many things to love about the Bosque. Such a treasure right here in the center of our state. And obviously, a lot of talk in here, too, about what we can do to protect her. So here now, Laura Paskis and our land. Finally, this week, as we approach the last month of another challenging year, we want to take a moment to give thanks for one of Albuquerque's greatest treasures. And this is a perfect time of year to celebrate all that makes the Bosque so special, from the sandhill cranes and migratory birds to porcupines, beavers, and much more. Here now, our land correspondent Laura Paskus' Emmy-nominated holiday card to this environmental gem. In the bosque along the Rio Grande, throughout the spring and the summer, we seek out the cottonwoods for shade, rely on the river for sustenance, to water our fields, or to cool our bodies from the noonday sun. In the autumn, we celebrate the brilliance of the cottonwoods when their canopies fire the riverbanks with yellow. But by late October, especially as night starts falling earlier, it's easy to take the bosque for granted or to stop walking beneath its canopy altogether. But I think it's the best time of year to be here. As the trees drop their leaves, it's easier to spot porcupines napping in cottonwoods and elm trees, or gnawing on bark, or finding the seeds of Russian olives. In the sands along the bank, you can see where beavers have lugged branches, dropped into the current of the river, or excavated holes to reach the tasty roots of tamarisk seedlings. Beavers themselves are hard to spot, but there are signs of their industriousness everywhere. Coyotes call out earlier in the evening, celebrating their hunt, or maybe just singing to the night. Massive mobs of crows that winter in the middle Rio Grande Valley their numbers too big to even call murders, roost at night in the bosque. They spend their days spread out across the city feeding and then return to the bosque at night, hundreds of them settling into the trees. Walk through their ranks and they'll yell at you, drop nuts and small branches on your head too. And of course, late fall is when the sandhill cranes return to the valley for winter. Today, we appreciate their primordial calls. And the clunky grace of their landings in the river where they shelter for the night away from predators. 
They've migrated here for thousands and thousands and thousands of generations. Their habits as clear as the layers of limestone in the Sandia Mountains. Their patterns tied inextricably to the sway of seasons. Today, watching the cranes along the river, it's something to imagine the blessing they must have been to the people who lived alongside the Rio Grande for centuries. To think of their mass arrival along with snow geese precisely as the weather turned cold and harvest season passed. Like New Mexicans, the Bosque, the Rio Grande, they are resilient. This river has flowed for millennia. These cottonwoods have stood since the 1940s. The forest, the wildlife, have all survived the press of more and more people, more and more demands. But as the region warms, as the region dries, and everyone and everything demands more water, we also need to demand more for the river, more for the bosque. And remember, this too is our home. For New Mexico in Focus and Our Land, I'm Laura Paskus. We know that COVID-19 has hit our economy hard. We know that this is a tough year for businesses with supply chain issues as we head into such an important time of the year, the holiday season. So we wanted to take a little bit of time to really talk about what we all can do to help support local businesses during this uh, busy time of year. And so this week on Facebook Live, host Gene Grant caught up some folks to have a great conversation about shopping local, the importance of it, how to do it, how to support those local entrepreneurs and businesses and creators and all of those things. And if you have any thoughts or stories on this, we would love to hear from you. You can drop us a line here on the podcast or hit us up on social media, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Find us any of those places. We'd love to hear what you are doing or how you shop local and support local during the holiday shopping season. And uh, this again, Gene Grant from Facebook Live this week. Hey, thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, welcome. It's Wednesday. It's Facebook Live time, but it's also Thanksgiving week, isn't it? <laughs> Hope you're all ready for tomorrow. If you got folks coming in from out of town tonight or if you're hitting the road later today to make the drive to go see family somewhere else, I wish you safe driving and, and return home. That's for sure. And enjoy the holiday. But today oh, and this week also kicks off the traditional holiday shopping. We've got the dreaded Black Friday, which we're going to skip right over. And we're going to go straight to Small Business Saturday, which is the goal of today's conversation. And I'm really pleased to kind of open this up a little bit to some other perspectives out there when it comes to shopping. I think what can happen is we get very fixated on the bigger cities here and sort of the foot traffic-y kind of a deal that we think about Albuquerque and Crucis and Santa Fe and all that, but we want to talk to some folks about what it's like to really kind of go up against it here for local businesses. And this is a critical year for the Christmas season, as, as you might imagine. It's not just a big year for the retailers for this year, but it's also for last year to make up as well. So it's kind of tough. So we're going to have Rin Herman. She's the director of the Los Alamos Chamber of Commerce. We're very pleased to have Rin. And also Andrea Lawrence. She's the brand development and marketing specialist for the New Mexico Tourism Department. And I'm really pleased to have you both. Uh, Andrea, let me start with you. Just some broad questions here. 
Again, we got folks kind of getting ready for Small Business Saturday. It's been around for a long time. Um, a lot of folks are really super into it, but a lot of folks don't really understand it, honestly, when you really think about it. Tell us about Small Business Saturday from your perspective. Thanks, Gene. You're right. It is. It has been around for um, since 2010, so coming on 12 years, and and people are absolutely relying on it uh, to stay afloat during the coming year. Small Business Saturday, um, to me, it celebrates community. It is all about reminding people to support their neighbors year round, mm -hmm. and you know, people may have seen recent data. There's a lot of it out there right now that's indicating businesses with fewer than 500 employees are responsible for about half of the GDP in the U.S. and employ nearly 50% of workers, of, of private sector workers. And if we shrink that down to a, 100 employees per business, um, you know, it's not that different because small business is really the backbone of this country. Mm -hmm. And when we spend our dollars locally, we not only sustain jobs, but we also create opportunities for young workers who might otherwise have to migrate elsewhere and keep those folks at home. In addition, you know, our um, our dollars when we spend them locally recirculate. I'm sure you know Rick can talk about this more, and we'll have more um, information for us. But but those dollars are recirculating through our community. People are paying bookkeepers. They are. Um, hiring trade people, their employees are paying for daycare, for example, that's where they're spending their paychecks. And so it really has an even bigger impact. And it's also a point of pride for residents and it imparts, you know, we're New Mexico true. We are all about authenticity and local, local business and local products, they impart authenticity to visitors who want mementos of their time in the land of enchantment. And um, last thing I'll mention is just as an added bonus, you may know that Small Business Saturday is a tax holiday for gross receipts tax on goods purchased from New Mexico small business. So just another great reason to get out um, or go online and shop small this weekend. I'm so glad you added that last bit in there. Let's just do that again, because I think for a lot of folks who may have not have lived here you know, before this holiday season, that's kind of a big deal. When you're spending lots of money, that extra money on top of that could be another present, could be you know, more gas in the tank. That actually means something. That is, is so true. And there, mm -hmm. you know, there are some, some nuances to it, but it is, um, this is another, there are some tax-free holidays that we have here, you know, when you're getting ready to send the kids back to school, it's another time people flock to the stores because absolutely, you know, puts, puts a little extra oomph in the Thanksgiving meal when you, uh, when you mm -hmm. save money when you shop in New Mexico business. Very much so, I appreciate that. Uh, Ren Herman, Director of Los Alamos Chamber of Commerce, of course, chambers being what they are, you sort of, uh, again, same thing. A lot of folks know what chambers do, some folks don't. <laughs> so we'll just kind of breeze over that real quick. But when, from your perspective, looking over what's going on in your part of the state, uh, how important is Small Business Saturday for, for Taos retailers and the, and the environs? Thanks, Jean. Uh, delighted to be here today. Thank you for helping us really get the word out about Small Business Saturday. So mm -hmm. we're in Los Alamos and, you know, Los Alamos was kind of put here to be very remote and far away. And we 
we still are. Um, the, the backbone of our economy here is, of course, the National Laboratory, but there are a lot of small businesses here that support um, the town. And these are our friends and our neighbors. And Small Business Saturday is, is just a, always a great opportunity to remind folks that um, they should be thinking about these small retailers and restaurants and service industries here. Um, you know, maybe before they go online and, and place an order, think about these small businesses. Um, these small businesses are the people that sponsor your little league team and that sort of thing. So they're, they're very important for us to um, support. And Small Business Saturday is just a great opportunity. Um, this year, we're really kind of trying to think about it as a small business season and really trying to stretch out that shopping opportunity. Um, you know, there are so many problems this year that people are having with um, shipping. And um, so we're really just trying to promote, get out there and, and shop local and don't worry about having to ship these things. Try and purchase mm -hmm. locally. Well, there's that popular meme going around that, uh artists and you know people that make stuff are not stuck on cargo ships out in the harbor you know what I mean? that's, that's right that's, <laughs> they, we have plenty of alternatives to those kinds of things and, and let me say with you Rin, on this one too because again clearly northern new mexico los alamos taos i mentioned earlier sorry about that my fault there uh, no, other places uh, uh, you know they have handcraft goods as part of our stock and trade i, I might say and it would seem to me this would be a brilliant opportunity for folks who do make things to have a fair fight here on, on, on Small Business Saturday. What's your sense of that in Los Alamos? We have a lot of, of crafty people that are around here. And, and mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for our, um, our artists and artisans here. Um, we are fortunate that we have wonderful museums and museum shops, but we also have the Fuller Lodge Art Center. We have some wonderful galleries, Karen Ray Gallery. There's um, great little shops like the Cricket Window. And, you know, it's, it's um, just a great opportunity for these local artisans to um, ha have an equal chance to be promoted through things like um, the Chamber's uh, Holiday Shopping Guide, for instance, so that people are aware of these things. We're really trying to get the word out there, too, that this year, um, a lot of our small businesses, you can order uh, from their websites and order online. A lot of them deliver locally, or you can just stop and pick things up curbside, too. Mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting, yeah. You know, Andrew, it's interesting. There's a there's an ad out on TV right now. I think it's Expedia. I'm not quite sure, but they have a very clever ad saying, "This holiday season, would you rather spend it on this and it's a beach scene, <laughs> versus something, some product?" You know, it was like, "Oh, that's very clever." It is about choices that we make when it comes to holiday stuff. Now, that particular ad, I'm not sure if that's a gift, so to speak, to give to somebody. You know, depending <laughs> on your your income, but. It is about choices, Andrea, isn't it? We have choices we can make when it comes to buying gifts and giving gifts. It doesn't have to be the same old thing. Absolutely, we do. And, you know, that's, we have to define competition broadly to yes. make sure that we know people can spend their money, not just on things, but on experiences. And we're fortunate in New Mexico, true, because mm -hmm. we have partners who do both those things all over 
date. And I would uh, love to tell you a little bit about our New Mexico True Certified program because yeah, that's about choice. Mm -hmm. and, and that's about when you're standing in the grocery store and you have rows upon shelves upon shelves of, of, of salsas to choose from that you look for one that has a New Mexico True Certified label on that. Um, we have a program and we are over 400 makers in a network. As Rin said, there are artists and artisans, uh, craft beverage, souvenirs, mementos, everything I say from um, salsa to soap and jewelry to jam and nice. furniture, chocolate, tchotchkes. So we bring attention to all of the growers and makers in New Mexico. Um, and they find value in being able to align with New Mexico True that um, they can utilize our millions of impressions that we garner through multimedia advertising channels and, and digital print, everything across the board, mm -hmm. um, that it amplifies, they find it amplifies their own marketing messages and really integrates them creates, um, as I say, a community. It's all about celebrating community and it's something that is greater than ourselves. Good points there. Andrea, you know, I, I was a classic New Mexico stuff gift giver for folks out of state. That's not an uncommon thing. I see Rin knows what that's about too and she's nodding in agreement. Let's talk about that. Why not spread the New Mexico love for Christmas? You know what I mean? I mean, just, just buy something and say, you know, it, it, you cannot miss when you send something to someone in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Florida, they lose their minds getting right. stuff from New Mexico. It's amazing. <laughs> I always say, you know, people say, how, how can I support? What can I do? And, you know, we have resources on our, on our website, newmexico.org slash true certified, um, both, where, where we can point people to where those products are sold. And they're sold in, in small businesses like your, your galleries and your boutiques and your shops on Main Street of... Um, you know, whether that's that's Bullard in, in Silver City or uh, Main Street in Los Alamos, they are, mm -hmm. these products are all across the state. And I always say, you know, when you're leaving, when I leave, I take New Mexico gifts to friends and family and, yeah. um, and, and likewise, I buy them for everybody here because they're just better. Oh, it's amazing. I'm especially food. Oh my goodness gracious. Rin, you know, you mentioned something earlier that um, I, I want to just sort of paraphrase. Uh, your meaning there, and that is for a lot of small businesses, getting together one advertising dollars is very difficult, which is why mm -hmm. they are in a chamber. Uh, number two, getting the word out against a Black Friday week is awfully tough. It's just, it I is. mean, you turn on any television, any bar, home, it's just you're inundated with ads from national companies. Where does the chamber step in to help out with that? How does a chamber, you know, for your members, get, get them to the next level? So you're absolutely right, Jean. You know, we we um, start very early in the season reaching out to the businesses and ask mm -hmm. them to tell us what they're going to be featuring, what they want to promote. And then we we put these together in kind of a holiday shopping guide yeah. you can find on the Los nice. Alamos Chamber website. Okay. But, you know, we, we try and gather that information and put it all out to um, the locals. Um, but we do a number of other things to help promote. Um, for a number of years now, thanks to Enterprise Bank and Trust, we've been able to do this Blue Bucks raffle. 
And um, basically the way it works is for every purchase you make, you get a ticket that, that uh, gives you a chance to win um, cash and, and gift cards. We are able to go into all of the businesses that participate and buy gift cards. So those are prizes as well. Mm -hmm. But the, the grand prize is $1,000 cash. And the business that gives that away also receives $1,000. You know, thanks, thanks to Enterprise Bank and Trust. So, yes. um, so you know, some of the larger groups in town are able to sponsor things like that. The, this is the Holiday Shopping Guide is sponsored by Del Norte Credit Union. And, mm -hmm. and so we really try to all come together and, and promote all of the businesses so that people um, are aware of their options. We do things like we put together lists of all of the businesses in town that sell gift cards so that people wow. can send these to their relatives out of town so that they can touch base with these businesses and buy local gift cards for their family that lives here. I'm so, so glad you mentioned that. That seems to be, I'm reading about this, the gift card thing seems to be a way for a lot of folks to be able to participate in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that's a lot more elegant. You know, it's easier Right. You know, there's a lot more choices. Are you are you seeing a trend in the growth on this on the gift card thing as well? Uh, absolutely. And just yeah. the online shopping, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we encouraged all of our local businesses. If they weren't already online, they needed to get online. And and that's what we saw. Anybody that wasn't already there, we helped um, get the tools to get online. And a lot of that was thanks to um, New Mexico tourism. They were a huge help with that kind of thing. So, um, it, you know, even even the small little tiny businesses were able to figure out a way to at least do gift cards. So we really try and promote that. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's that's been great. Um, we we also do a, a couple of interesting things. There's a, a tradition here in Los Alamos that has always kind of set us apart from other communities that participate in Small Business Saturday, and that's um, giving to a charity. Um, so when people are shopping um, on that Small Business Saturday, the businesses here have the opportunity to give to a charity of their choice. And, you know, it's anything goes, um, a percentage, a flat amount, whatever they, they want to do. And um, we get about a dozen businesses that do this every year. And um, sometimes more, sometimes less, but mm -hmm. they give to, you know, the, the charities of their choice. And that has a, a huge wide range. Um, you know, the um, Arts Council here, mm -hmm. they choose to give to Moving Arts and Española and give back oh. in that way. And um, Petrie Garden Center, they, they give to the New Mexico Wildlife Center. So a lot of it is, is not necessarily local, but regional. And sure. it's, it's a great way for people to feel good about those, those purchases that they're making and that these businesses do give back regionally. So it's, um, it's just something kind of interesting that Los Alamos does. Yeah. That's, that is interesting. I'm glad you use that word because it's, it's, again, those little layers, it kind of give people lots of ways to participate. And it really makes your point you made earlier about how the money swirls around. I mean, listen mm -hmm. to what you just said. You mentioned two banks, you know, I mean, there's just a lot of activity inside of what you just mentioned. It's very interesting. Uh, Ren, do you find it, you know, I got asked this question, Los Alamos, of course, is a little bit different than the rest of the state when it comes to personal income. Right. Does that, does that change things in your town when it comes to Christmas shopping and buying local particularly? Well, 
sure. Um, you know, what, what I just mentioned about the charities that give back, you know, that's yeah. a, um, a nice way for the folks in Los Alamos to, uh, to be able to give back a little bit, but, um, you know, um, I think what, what we see here in town is that the people really do want to shop local here and support the New Mexico um, businesses, whether that's right here in Los Alamos or regionally or statewide. Mm -hmm. And and your point is well taken. Um, we, we really try to just drive home to the locals that before they um, go to these national retailers that they do try and think about the New Mexico businesses and do try and, and be aware of where they're spending their dollars and, and um, remind them that uh, they can make a big impact here by shopping locally. And again, whether that's right here locally or statewide. Mm -hmm. um, so we try and take advantage of Small Business Saturday to remind everyone of that. Mm -hmm. Good points there. Interesting. Uh, Andrew, I got, a, I got a question. You know, I, I, from where I'm sitting here, I can see at least three things that I have bought when I've been on a staycation in our state. You know what I mean? It's, it just seems to go hand in hand. It's a very weird thing. You, you know, you, you got your budget set up for your staycay and you kind of do your thing, but then you end up doing some walking and shopping. <laughs> it happens every time. Are you finding that that happens for local gift buying as well? People take a December vacation, realize, oh my God, I've got all this great local stuff right in front of me. And they end up buying a bunch of stuff while they're, while they're away from home. Have you gotten feedback to that? To that level and that kind of a thing yeah absolutely i would i would echo that sentiment and what what rin is saying and that just is such a beautiful way for communities to businesses get involved ensure that their communities are staying vibrant mm -hmm. um but it's really important to to promote and support uh, we talked a little bit about you said the swirling, I like that, the swirling of the dollars, the, the jobs. I mean, it is all of our responsibility to, to maintain and sustain this authentic yeah. nature, um, mm -hmm. the, the flavor, the culture, the heritage, a lot of it is, Ren, you mentioned this, Española Moving Arts, I know the New Mexico Fiber Arts Center there, you know, they mm -hmm. do a lot to preserve the, the heritage and the culture of these, of the art, um, native arts, Hispanic arts, everything that makes our our state so rich. And, and then we have people who are just innovating, you know, making all kinds of handcrafted products and um, food and beverage we talked about a little bit is so enticing. I mean, it was green chili, we say, mm -hmm. runs, runs through our veins, right? It's part of who <laughs> we are. And I, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate to live in Santa Fe. I can't leave my house without being like, oh, I've never seen that. I want, oh, I want one of those, or I'm almost out of this. Right. I have to resupply. So absolutely, it is, you know, if we want a generic vanilla experience, when we, we travel, people don't want that. That is why we choose to go places that have the deep, rich roots. Uh, and we are certainly fortunate and um, and the, the depth and breadth of, of what New Mexico has to offer mm -hmm. is, is a 
is a huge part of why people come here. And then we know from research that when we connect them to local products and local businesses, like Rand's talking about, they spend more money while they're in market. So yeah. they're spending more dollars when they come here and we can say, you know, have you, have you seen the New Mexico True Certified label? Have you, and, and they're connecting that. Like it was probably a New Mexico True ad in their home state or market city where they thought, oh, well, New Mexico, that's interesting. And then they start seeing it more and more. Of course, you're getting it on social media. You're seeing hashtags. You're seeing it at the airport. When you go to the store, all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, this is, this is New Mexico True also. And so again, point of pride for residents, definitely encouraging everyone to support their neighbors year round. Cause mm -hmm. it is so important. Like Rin said, people, those small business that hasn't made an investment to get online and get online fast yeah. last year. And they are competing with, you know, multi-billion dollar companies um, that have lots down on supply chain and distribution channel and shelf space. And, and here we are, you know, it's like, we're, we are, we are a state of, of small, um, small business, small people who are, <laughs> I don't mean that <laughs> that way, we're competing. And so we have to um, help people do that. They did stand up online stores and, and shopping experiences. And so, yeah, it's important to go out and walk your neighborhood and your main street. But if you want to stay home and shop from the comfort of your couch and mm -hmm. and shop small and shop local, you can do that now too. That's um, right. So on our website, we have an uh, annual, we're in our sixth annual holiday gift guide, and we have almost 100 products uh, that represent across the board um, New Mexico and um, and people are really seeing a lot of a lot of referral traffic, if you will, um, marketing terminology, but uh, and, yeah. and sales and conversions. And then you know the one last thing I'll say, because um, I'm, I'm clearly you can see I'm passionate, and I can we can all go on about this. But when people have these positive experiences here and they take home a piece of New Mexico, whether that's something to eat, whether it's something they put on their on their body that makes them feel good, candles that they smell, all of those create emotional bonds and connections. And when they're back home, they go, oh, my, my time in New Mexico, you know, they can picture themselves strolling that street like you're talking about, Jean. And that's also translating the positive word of mouth to their friends and family, which of course is the most reliable form of advertising. And, and people are planning their return visits. So it's the value that goes on and on. I couldn't agree more. I could not, I, thank you for saying that. Just some small piece of New Mexico on someone's mantle, dining room set on the buffet. It just, it sits there and it just throbs. And it just reminds people, you know, I think it's very powerful, those kind of things. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Andrea. I, I really appreciate the elegant way you offered that. I, I have to say thumbs up. Thank you very much, both Rin and Herman at the Los Alamos, not Taos, the Los Alamos Chamber of Commerce, and Andrea, I'm sorry, Andrea Lawrence, the brand development and marketing specialist at the New Mexico Tourism Department. Folks, if you got relatives out of state, send them something from here. If you got distant relatives out of state, send them something from here. Not just friends, just think of anyone you could possibly think of. 
that might like a small, it's not even the amount, it's just the thing that makes the point that Andrew is making the point and, and Ren as well. Ladies, thank you so much. It's going to be a good holiday. Hopefully, uh, Small Business Saturday will be successful. Thank you all for your efforts in making it so for retailers here. I really appreciate it and especially appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about it here in New Mexico uh, PBS. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. All right, that's all for this episode, but we're hard at work for a brand new episode this week coming up. As always, stick with us on social media throughout the week for the latest updates. We hope you have a terrific week. I'm Kevin McDonald, executive producer here at New Mexico PBS. I want to thank the entire New Mexico and Focus team. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy. <music>